24 hours a day. Radio Contact. Yeah, welcome to this week's pop-up podcast. Rob's unavailable this week, so you're stuck with me, Paul Whiteside. It's only a short one anyway. We've got quite a bit of news that's happened this week, so I'll take you through all the news that's happened this week at the club. Salford have confirmed the signing of Luke Burgess. He's back with us. He, he spent a spell at Salford in the 2016 qualifiers campaign, and he did play in the million-pound game as well. The prop spent the 2017 season with French side Catalan Dragons after making eight appearances for us back in 2016. He began his career with Leeds Rhinos before enjoying spells at both South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Manly Seagull Eagles in the NRL, and he played a total of 70 NRL games. So he's a prop forward, Luke Burgess, and I'm sure he's going to uh, going to make a big impact for his next season. He had quite an injury-ravaged season last year at Catalan Dragons. Hopefully he's got those injuries behind him now, and he'll be all gun playing for Salford next season. As we've seen before, with us losing Ben Murdoch at Masilla, we need uh, some big men in the middle there, and hopefully Luke Burgess is going to fit the bill for us there. We've announced a home friendly as well against Swinton Lions. That's going to take place on Sunday, the 14th of January at 1pm kickoff. Fantastic news that, you know, great local side, Swinton Lions. And I was just trying to rack up the other day in my, in my brain how many players have played for both clubs, and I've caught with quite a bit of a list now, but it'd be great to see some of those uh, some of those past players down there on that day. But that's a really good, tough challenge for us that against Swinton Lions. They've had, had quite a an extensive recruitment campaign in the in the close season. They're signing people and they look quite ambitious as well. So that's going to be a really uh, really good game to set us going there. 14th of January with a 1pm kickoff. Yeah, the Salford Isle FC Supporters Trust, they've organised their first event, the Temporary Trust, and it's this weekend. It's at the Old Nags Head in Earlham and it starts at 6 o'clock. It's um, a questions with Ian Watson, like a live interview, I suppose, with Ian Watson. And uh, Paul Hyten's going to be comparing that. I think there's going to be quite a few ex-players down there as well. Hopefully, Mark Lee's going to be making an appearance and a, and a few other old, uh, old legends of the club. So it should be a really good night. I think there's, there's quite a lot of tickets gone. It's free to, to go as well. All you've got to do is uh, register you yourself on the Supporters Trust website, uh, which is on Facebook, Twitter, places like that. It's dead easy to find. Just type it in and you'll be able to find it. Just get yourself registered and get yourself down there on, on Sunday, 6 o'clock start. Promise this will be brilliant there. You know, Ian Watson... He always gives us great interviews on, on the podcast and I'm sure he'll be, be there telling us all about last season and all about his uh, his views for this up-and-coming season. So get yourself down to that this weekend. And I'm sure you won't forget this weekend that it is the Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. As I'm doing this podcast now and as, as you're listening to it, Australia have already played some more. I don't know the result yet because I've not had a look, but I won't find out and tell you in case you've recorded it on your Sky planner and you want to watch it afterwards. But that was today's game. It was a 9 o'clock kickoff this morning, Australia against Samoa. Tomorrow's quarterfinals are New Zealand against Fiji, that's a 4am start, and Lebanon against Tonga, that's a 6.30 start. And then on Sunday, England's match is at six. Sorry, 5am in Melbourne, that's England against Papua New Guinea. So my, my predictions for that one, I think Australia will beat Samoa. I'm going to go for New Zealand to just sneak Fiji, and I think Tonga will beat Lebanon. 
And England against Papua New Guinea. That's an hard one. I'm, I'm just going to go for uh, England to edge it 18-16 in that one, I think. But I'm really looking forward to that England game. Let's hope we can get a result on uh, on Sunday. Well, there's been a major announcement today at 12 o'clock. I've just been holding out for this one. Salford have made a signing and uh, I'll reveal that to you now. Well, it's just come through now, 12 o'clock. I've just been waiting for it to come through. Salford Red Devils are delighted to confirm the signing of Australian halfback Jack Littlejohn for the 2018 and 29 seasons. We signed a two-year deal. The 26-year-old from Wagga Wagga in New South Wales made his NRL debut in 2014 with Manly and has spent the last two seasons with West Tigers making 16 appearances. Jack will arrive in Manchester on Monday and will immediately meet up with his new teammates for pre-season training. Red Devils CEO Ian Blees said, I was extremely impressed with Jack's attitude when Ian Watson and myself spoke to him. I have no doubt he's going to be a terrific addition to the squad. We have been on the lookout for a quality place with Michael Dobson and believe we have found him. Jack is coming over to make a name for himself and also for fans should be extremely excited to see him in action this coming season. We will have more from Ian Watson on Jack Littlejohn signing later on today. So we'll keep you posted when we hear any more news on that. I know the kit supplier is going to be released soon as well, so uh, I'll get Rob to put something on, on the on the podcast about that as well. That's all the news I've got for you this week. Hopefully we'll be back next week with a full podcast, me and Rob Parkinson. Um, I'll leave you now with this week. We're just going to go back with a few of our favourite things, what we've had, um, what, we've, what we've previewed this season in the in the podcast. And we're going to uh, we're going to have a look back now. I think it was in March when we played Witness at Home. Me and Rob spoke to Ray French. So here's that interview again, if you missed it the first time. I'm delighted to say I've been joined by rugby league legend and broadcasting legend, Mr. Ray French. Uh, thanks, Ray, for speaking to us. How, how do you assess how Salford are going this season? Are you impressed? I'm very impressed. I think they're doing uh, very, very well. I, I, I think it's a testimony to a lot of work uh, behind uh, behind the scenes. I think Ian Watson, um, I, I'd like an Ian to Don, Daryl Powell at, uh, at Castlewood. I think they know what they want. I think uh, they're steeped in the game. They know what. And I think. I think they're playing the right kind of kind of rugby, you know. Um, there's a lot of five drives and a kick in the game at the moment. It's, it's very programmed, but, but um, Salford are playing good rugby. They, they, you know, they're moving it about, a good pair of half backs, and you know what they're doing. I, I've been very impressed with them. But it was a tough game today against Witness. You know, Witness have improved. You know, we had a good win at Witness away earlier in the season, and that they've really improved. But how much have you noticed the Salford's improvement from, from the side we had last season to this season? Well, I think I think. Uh, the improvement is in players that you've, uh, you've brought in, uh, a lot of good quality players, although even uh, in today's game you were missing quite a few of your, your backs, but um, I think the improvement comes with confidence. I think, you know, um, Salford have literally come 18 months from nowhere to where they are where they are today, and of course as you win, and the more you win, the more confident you get, and the more go into a match thinking, well, you know, we can beat these, no matter who they are. Once you've got that in your head, um, you're on your way. Whereas if you're going into it, where you sit down and you look at a, a programme and you think, oh no, he, he's good, he's good in the second row, he's this, he's that, then uh, you don't get anywhere. But I think, I think uh, Salford now has broken through that barrier and uh, the idea is, you know, come and have a go at us now and, uh, and we'll, we'll take you on. When you look back, obviously, the Salford team in the semi is the, the, the quality street gang what they used to call them any kind of comparisons to this team building up I know it took them a few years didn't it with the cup final have we, have we gone the way are we on the same sort of route to great well, um, I mean they're on the on, they're on the route but I don't think it's the same route I think the, you're talking about two totally different eras um, I mean the era of your, um, your David Watkins uh, and, and company 
um, which was an era after my own era, where the style was the same. There was a lot of individualistic play in, in the game then, you know. Uh, the, the, you had a lot of people who came in from uh, from Rugby Union, the stars came in from there. Uh, you had a lot of people who came from abroad, and they were the top stars. Um, but what you've got, you've got a game in England now where the Rugby Union player is outpriced. Uh, to you, the top Australian star is outpriced to you, so you're playing with within a certain um, a certain level. Um, so that great era of um, Salford contained so many stars, so many big names um, that attracted the crowds, attracted the attention. You've not quite got that, no matter what, whether it's Wiggins and Talon Salford or, or, or what. Um, there's a there's a program. To a game uh, now, there's a, there's a lot of good, what well, I say, good quality coaching. Well, you've got to sit down now and, and think. You could not just be a coach and let uh, two or three stars when you when you the game out of nothing just by sheer sheer ability. So I think the two different eras, but uh, Salford certainly they are progressing, no no doubt about it. Be a team for the future. Obviously, we keep developing, keep you know building. We get a few more signings coming in next season. Who knows? Oh, yes. oh, very, very much so. Because I mean, uh, I think that uh, you know, the more success uh, you have now, then you you can build uh, on that. I, I just would hope that more more fans would get behind you and come to the uh, come to the stadium, which which I think is a superb stadium. You know, and, uh, it's really got something about it. There's an atmosphere building up there. I suppose it's all about building uh, sort of memories here. I mean, with a Will Old was oh, yes. like a you know, hundred years old, everyone had their own special memory of yeah, that. Yeah. Where we've been here for five or six years and you know, games like this where you're winning, uh, you know, you bring memories to the table, don't you? And more fans will come and watch. Oh, very, very, very much so. Um, you know, you, you've got to put your stall out. Um, I mean, Salford now, you know, they're becoming headlines in the newspaper and uh, it takes time before people say oh I think I'll go and have a look at Salford again and you know I think it's coming to be moving in the right direction I think you know we should be looking at that top eight or maybe even even higher and how, how far do you think Salford can go this season well I think you could be looking at the top four I mean if you look at the league that we've got there at the moment you've got St. Tellers and Warrington traditionally two in the top four every year I mean they're really bad you know, they're not getting the win that this the league does seem wide open oh, this season. The league is absolutely wide open. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, Wigan, 54 points to four at uh, Casper. I know, I know Casper had a good side, but well, it's a long, long time. I can remember St. Helens beating uh, Wigan with 70 points, actually. But how many times are Wigan beaten by 50 points? You know, that's the league that you've got. And uh, Salford are coming up uh, in the top of jet stream, coming round the corner and, and defying the thing. Well, great stuff. We're excited. Yeah, very much so. So you should be. So you should be. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us, Ray. Nice. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks Pleasure. Any time, lads. No, no problem at all. Well, now another special on Devon the Detail. If you've not already heard it, here's another chance to hear the special interview we did with Paul Farber. Well, we're uh, joined by Salford legend, second rower, Buffer, Paul Farber. Nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. We've got some questions that our listeners have sent in. Uh, we've got, obviously, we've had a good look at your career from here in the States as well. Uh, and the guys are going to find some questions that you don't mind. No problem at all. Cool, so I'll start with it. How did you get into rugby league? Uh, rugby league, obviously, it, it, it was in my family, really. I said, my me, me old chap, which uh, he passed away about uh, two weeks ago, he, uh, he played for Liverpool City and he loved the game. Obviously, it comes to the you'd be brought up with either rugby league or, or football or football 
with Liverpool and Everton and Man United being very close. So I played both sports. And at the end, I was having uh, Charles from Bolton Wonders just before I signed for our Saints. And it was a case of uh, going for the Charles from Bolton, also for Saints. And obviously, St. Helens Valley Corps. That was the only thing I wanted to do. Yeah, well, you said that you signed for your, your hometown club, St. Helens, and you spent 10 years there. You know, you ended up playing 250 times, scoring 50 tries. It must have been a proud moment for you and your family being a local lad to play for St. But it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's for Sound of Saints. I mean, I, I remember when I, when I first signed from. I was 16 years of age, and uh, what three or four weeks before that, I was climbing over the wall of Saints, going for watching play. And it's amazing when you're watching like the Roy Haggerty, Harry Pinners, and Neil Holdings, these world class players. And then three weeks later, suddenly I walk into a change room full of these players, and uh, it's pretty daunting, really. But it, it was, uh, I think, the one thing in my life that I was uh, meant to do. I say so you pay you pay a lot for St. Helens, two hundred fifty appearances, five hundred uh, sorry fifty tries. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you know it's a really big achievement that for such a big club as St. Helens. But it was. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that was one of the best players I've ever played for Saints. But when I played for Saints, I'm going to play for any club I play for. I argue 100. percent And the thing is, when when you're fortunate enough to play 250 to 300 games at a team, you've got to be lucky as well. I mean, I was lucky to stay relatively injury free. I probably had about four, five, six operations when I played at Saints. But luckily enough, I was able to get back and get back into the first team and carry on playing. Fortunate. It wasn't very uh, and injuries. Who, how did you move to Salford come back? I uh, moved to Salford come about, so I've been a Saints like Seth for about 11 years. And, uh, and I, I got a phone call saying that uh, from, from Halifax, believe it or not. And what happened was, it was uh, Roger Billwall. He, he phoned me up and said to me, Paul, he said, uh, we've just need terms with uh, Saints. We know you've got three years left on your contract. We'd like you come to Sanford. And I said, there's something definitely wrong with it. So I've just got me, me checked my testimony and said, like, like you've just said to me, I've got three years left. I said, nobody's mentioned anything at all to me. I said, so there's something definitely wrong. So I tried, went down, tried to get in touch with Saints. Saints wasn't uh, answering the phone. So I went down to Saints and said, one of the people around me, he says, Paul, we, we thought, I think it was Tom Allard that said, he said, Paul, we're thinking of being able to move here for, for leaving the club at the moment. He said, uh, Mike McClendon saying that he's going to sign such and such a body and such a body and such a body. So I'd say, well, I said, I can't believe what you've done to me. I said, I'll go to Halifax. So I went down to Halifax and uh, on that, that was on the Monday morning. We couldn't agree terms. There was different things coming into it that it was offering me so much money to play each game, which is a massive amount. But the problem was, was if I got injured in the first two or three games, that was the only amount that I get was what I played for, which didn't work out for me. So I come back home and uh, went down to Saints and told them once he won the transfer. It was on the news on the uh, Monday night that I got on the transfer and Tuesday morning, I got a phone call for uh, Mr. Wilkinson. He said, well, I come down and uh, have a talk to him. I come down and have a talk to John, and as you know, John probably one of the nicest men who, who's ever entered, we believe. And we had a bit of a chat and whatever, and uh, we did agreed terms, and Tuesday afternoon, I was a Salford player. Yeah, because a lot of people said about, you know, John Wilkinson, uh, and old Mark Lee said it, but he was sort of a pivotal part of inside of the Salford. He said, you've you mentioned it yourself, you know, you you met John Wilkins and you went to chat with him and you automatically wanted to sign for the club. That's something a lot of the players said to have such a chairman as, as John Wilkinson to bring you into a, a family club like Salford was a massive thing for them. Definitely. I mean, John Wilkinson played a massive part of me coming in. I mean, uh, we need more John Wilkinsons in rugby league. We need more of him, definitely, because the game's gone like it was on back before. The game's gone like a bit stale. And like, only for him, I want to sign for I come down, we talked about terms. He knew what I was up to and I knew what he was up to. He told me what his plan was who he wanted for the time, what he wanted to do, and why he wanted me to come to Salford. At the time, 
he was saying to me, Paul, he said, I can't believe that you sat here with me. I want you to sit with me. And he just made me feel so welcome. He made me feel probably there was a better player than I was. And I signed on the dotted line straight away. Yeah, but it's all that you obviously then signed for Salford. Did you feel that it was a pressure move coming from such a big club like St. Helens and sort of starting your career again at Salford? Did you feel sort of pressure out from being in, in the big games for St. Helens then coming to Salford? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I mean, Salford at the time, because I think we were trying to get back into Super League then. We'd, just, we'd gone down and I remember two weeks later, uh, we went out and played, uh, we played Lee. And uh, the game, the game start, started and uh, I'd come up against Sunday that we'd had problems with over the years and years. A lad called Timmy Street. He was at he was at Lee and I was at Salford this time. And we both met and went head to head and it was uh, it was a bit of a rough game. We we come out on top at the end, which was exactly what we wanted. It was at the Willows and there's a big crowd on, and it felt like I'd never been away from me. You know, I went and played in that game. Crowd got behind me. The yeah, I started chanting my name a couple of times, and, and like say, it, it seemed like I was meant to be there. I mean, you got this. This you you mentioned the physical game that you, you were involved with. You seemed to be classed as an enforcer for Salford. You were kind of like the big go-to guy for the rough stuff. Well, I, I love the game being like that. I love the games when I played the Saints. I love the games against Warrington. I love the hard games when he went to Oki and went to. Old, I see for thriving them kind of game because the tougher the game got, I, I seem to enjoy it more. Why? I don't know. I just did. But I remember, I remember playing Bell. We, we had a lad called Gibbo playing at fullback. Absolutely yes, unbelievable play, Ozzy. And uh, I remember playing that, that game against Lee. I think that was my first game or my second game. And uh, Kevin Tavity was caught at the time. And, and uh, we played against Lee. And don't get me wrong, I give numerous penalties away. And so did Timmy Street. We both argued against each other. We hit each other a couple of times. I think, I can't remember, we got Sim in there. I don't think we did, but. We'll give so many pounds to it, it was unbelievable. And I remember on Saturday at training, we all sat down and Kevin Tam said, Listen, we were looking about this game, I can't believe what's going on. We've got too many pounds away, such a body you've done this wrong, such a body you've done that wrong. And then he just turned to me and he looked at me and said, Paul Forward, he said, I'll tell you something now. He said, Why you play for Salford? You never give another penalty away, you never hit anybody high again. I don't want to give, give anything like that again, stupid to jeopardise the game. And next minute, Gibbo turned around and said, I can't believe it. Kevin Tamman said, said to Gibbo, he said, Gibbo, he said, what's up, he said, I'm not talking to you. He said, what's up, he said, he said, but I'm swearing, he said, he's terrorised us, he said, for 11 seasons. He said, we start saying, he said, he comes and signs for us, and you tell him to stop doing it. And, that, and everybody just started, like, locked down our lots, and Gibbo, everybody started laughing. And even Kevin Tamman said, he had a little bit of it. He said, no, but you know what I mean. He said, aye. He said, don't take that out of his game, he said, because that's why he's here. But, like I said, Probably as an enforcer or what I don't know. I never taught myself as that. I just taught myself that if, it, if somebody else was playing out on their side, I'd stand up to them on the other side of the same. There, there were some big characters at the club when you joined. Was it easy to settle in? Was it settling? I mean, obviously, you settle in with a lot of people who play around here. I mean, I had a little bit of issues with Tex Evans because I played, I'd broke his jaw. He played it often. It was a Challenge Cup game. He kicked over the top, a lot round with no Phil Beavers though. He was on level with me and stupidly I lifted my arm up and I broke his jaw. And when I signed for the club, uh, it, it was because I knew when I walked in that he was gonna but within three or four weeks we'd had a couple of nights out together that moved back to the mates. Yeah, because I know Mark Lee said the the camaraderie between everyone. I know he mentioned a story at the time, didn't he? He said the uh, Tex Evans used to come in with these flip flops and he said one day I, I nailed him to the floor in the changing room and he went to sit off and next minute he hit the floor and he said it was a big sort of thing for all the players. Coming out was unbelievable. I, had, I didn't have issues with people but 
it, it's very hard when you walk into a change room and you know that there's two players there and I'm going to be second one of their places. That, that is, is the funny issue. Uh, when, when, when I went to play against Saints, we had the same issue with Chris Jones. Chris Jones comes up my place and I played against Chris Jones and he'd tell, he'd tell himself he wrote him in his book and different and he saw it three times. But the worst time I had, he said, when I first time the Saints was the three times when I played against Salford. He said, because I, I played up against Paul Ford, he said, I knew. He said, what was going on? And he said, and I didn't have the best of games in the three. And beyond me and Matt Lee was, when we played on the, on the three games, I was trying to find him and pick him out. And I remember Matt Lee on two of the times said, join it. He said, listen, kid, he said, four when he's ready after find you. He said, we take ball in. He said, one or twice. So then he can find out where you are. So it's the same issues that you look at. And you, you do know that when you're going to take somebody's place, it's not very nice. But I got on really well with, with Bleasy. In the end, I took his place a little bit, but the little kid from St. Helens uh, called Arthur Bradshaw. It was an unbelievable tackler. He set the ball, probably wasn't big enough, but it's unbelievable what he went through in the game with tackling and how much ball he took up. So you mentioned briefly about Kevin Tamati at the coach at the time, and he brought it to Salford. He was replaced by Gary Jack shortly after you know arrived. Did that cause you any disruption? Having a new coach? And Not me at all. No, Gary Jack thought on my lines uh, when I played. Gary Jack even asked me what the defensive went down. We down to a uh, bit of a ball man. He sent a couple of videos over to uh, to the lad who called Wayne Pierce, who was a coach at Ball at the time. And I was on about going in '91. And the only reason I never went was because of the way Brown and White was having '92, '93. The Brown and White was having swings. So I got on very well with Gary Jack, and I thought Gary Jack was after decent coach who probably didn't get uh, the recognition that he should have done, and he should have probably been here for another couple of years. It was only because different things went wrong and Andy Gregory, and people turned around and wanted Gary Jack away. So I don't want to talk too much on that as well, but I thought Gary Jack would probably be a great coach. Tried setting us to the next level when he... He did do, and people didn't want to go there, because it was a time in a lot of people's careers were, he was... Probably coming to the end of them, and it's very hard when types of dietitians come in, and it's like me being 31, 32, and somebody coming in after playing for, for 14, 15, 16 years, and someone telling you what for eight or whatever, and try to change everything about you, and you know you've only got probably 12 months, 18 months left. It's very hard to do them kind of things. Right. So in 1996, you were part of Salford's team that, that ended Wigan's Challenge Cup domination. Was that a remembering day for you and the players? Massive, massive. Uh, it comes remembering day when. when there's so many, so many people on watching the game, and, and you know, you're playing against a multi-million pound team. You know, and we're not saying we was a gang of Evan Eggers. We was, we was, we was a gang of lads that played for each other. And on the day, they had don't get me wrong, they had so many individuals with just quickly families playing. Like I said, multi-million pound team. On that day, we played as a team. And you know, it's, I look back at it now, and I, I remember uh, doing an interview after the game. And Andy Gregory stood aside, man, and they asked Andy Gregory first, "Where does that come in your career as a coach?" As a player and as a coach, and he said, you will not believe this, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my career. He won the Challenge Cup so many times, he played for Great Britain, he'd done all kinds of things. And he said, that was the most, because he knows how big Wiggy was, because he'd been there for such a long time. To not Wiggy knows to do what we're doing at the day. I remember going into Willows after, and he, he couldn't get through the door. He, from, from the door to the bar, or to the food, he was carrying, he couldn't even look. And I'll never forget as long as I live. I was in the shed. Shouting, screaming the head off. And then we played Saints the week after, and the next round. Um, and that was a bit of a disappointment. That, that, that was a real come down. That was a game. massive come down, yeah. yeah. I think the thing with the, the, the Wigan game, and I know um, Andy Gregory talks on this, he said 
he said, myself as a coach and a player, he said, we were really confident. He says, I'd meet him for the chairman that week and said, you know, we're going to win this chairman. You know, the players are really up for it. And he, he said, he said, I knew from the moment we kicked off to the final Luto that we'd come out of that game winning it. And he said, and put that onto the players. You know, because he said a lot of people say it's all about Andy Gregory when he became his coach. And he said he tried to put it onto the players. But it's the players' job. Because that day, he said he knew for the week leading up to it that we were going to win that game. Was that put across to you as... Well, the, the thing is, Andy Gregory's always been a winner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that, that it, it beats in TT. You know what I mean? You see, you see the man that's sort of front of you. You know what he's done, you know what he's achieved. You know, and, and he brings the best out here. He's a very similar coach to Alec Murphy. I was under Alec Murphy for about four years at Saints. But you, you see what's stood in front of you. They, they, they tell the story. You look and you, you want to achieve. You know, you, you never you, you never even think of going in there losing. You know, so, and we've done that with enough every game. I mean, I know Greg, obviously we talked about that game. We, we were all confident. We were playing well as a team. We wasn't tired of losing any game. We were winning enough every game. And, and it, it's amazing that when you win so many games like that, winning comes an habit. You know, and, it's, and it, suddenly it doesn't matter who you're playing. And that's what happened. We come up against the great wing and we turn them over. Because we went out confident, like you said, probably through a lot of things that I'm done with it, probably turned up well all week. And we turned up. And another thing might have been, they might have turned up and thought, just another game, let's get away with one. And then suddenly, after, when it got to just after half time, and they realised it was in trouble, they couldn't turn it down. Because we'd collectively, we'd, we'd, built, a, we'd built a brick wall. You know, and they just, they just couldn't come back from it. You know, which, and they end up, like I said, probably one one, I would say one of the greatest Saint Dirk Solfin uh, wins, you know, because they, they, they've only done it for so long, especially the team that they had, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was like nine years, consecutive. Nine they won it eight, eight years, and that was the ninth year they won it. Yeah. I can remember all the fans in the Willows at the end of it asking the Wigan fans for their Challenge Cup ticket that they'd already paid oh, for that year, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, could, I think that was good that day, so... Have got that special round? Yeah, and um, team bonding and around that time. Lots of good stories to tell. Well, team bonding was always good. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we socialised a lot then. It was a little bit different than what it is now. The last cat walked, the cat I We did. I mean, don't get me wrong to an extent. You know what I mean? But we always knocked about together. The lads always had a laugh and a joke. I, I, I remember just being at soft. I've been there for about a month and he said to me, uh, we're going down to a pub around the corner. The end of good hopes. Yeah. The end of good hopes. Yeah. And when I got there, there was three bumps on the door, and I'd never been in the place before. Anyway, when I went for a walk in, like, the lads had already, were already in. Anyway, when I went in, the two bumps had put their hands up in front of me in Scotland. Said, so, you need to look fresh here. I said, fresh here. said, I can start some fresh here. I said, what are you looking for? He said, any knives or any guns? I said, I've got no knives and I've got no guns, mate. He said, well, you're going to need one or the other. And that's all, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, some, that's the kind of bonding that they will say, I don't even know, two or three weeks. And they're all in the window laughing the bloody heads off of me. Yeah, which is great. How glad are you that you played in an era where you didn't have camera phones and the internet was like nowadays, oh. any player does anything outside of the club, it's national news or certainly around the, the rugby league community very, very quickly. Are you glad that you didn't play in that kind of era? Well, I am, I am, because something did happen to me once. Only a slight thing. It was, uh, I was always one night on a Saturday night before the game for Saints and uh, I was in a place called Silverstar. Chinese and telling, and I was up, sat having a meal, and Mike McLaren walked in, he was a coach of Saints at the time, and he, he came in and said, No, Paul, Alex, and I was sat there, two flavours, my wife had a glass of wine, and I had a glass of lemonade. And he, I said, Mike, do you want to sit down, John and John? And he went, You know what, I love that, but I'd be great, Paul. He said, I, I, Anyway, he sat down, had a meal, and me, shook his hand, went and finished, someone have a like, quick, we'd pay for everything up. He went one way, and I went the other. 
We're playing on the Sunday, and I can't remember whether we won or we lost or whatever, I can't remember. But I remember on the Monday night, the Saints had phone calls that Paul Forbes in St. Helens picked up Saturday night people had seen him. I'm just so fortunate that I was sat having a meal with the coach, and the coach stood up and defended me and said, no, Paul Forbes and his wife. He had, a, he had one glass of lemonade and a Chinese meal, and I was with him. And he said, I can't believe, he said, Can you, if, the, if the people who, who phoned in would like to come down, and I, I would stand up for him and vote for him. So like you say, sometimes, especially like you say with the phones and all that now, it's, it's, it's I'm glad, I don't have, my kids have just got me a, a posh phone. So I don't like being in that either. I like ones with gas and gas and urn, just press the button and this and that's it. <laughs> so uh, moving on to it as well, in 1996 we played Keith at Old Trafford. Did your experiences playing for St. Helens in the big games when you mentioned 20,000 at Wigan, did that sort of an impact on you as a player to be playing at the ground like Old Trafford and the amount of fans that were there? How did that experience that day? Well, the, the experience was getting me, obviously we didn't have all the fans on because uh, I played at Old Trafford numerous times before that. I played in the Premiership final for the for Saints and, and obviously played at Wembley uh, twice for Saints. Yeah. But it, it, the fans didn't bother me, but the atmosphere at Old Trafford is probably twice better than Wembley. Because everybody's so close, yeah. And obviously, I think on that day as well, the Saints were playing somebody as well. So it was quite good because there was myself, there was Mark Lee, there was a couple of Saints, LX Saints players playing, and, and the fans were getting behind us. And I remember it was a really tight game as well. So the fans wise, it, it didn't bother me too much at all. But it, it, the place itself was fabulous. I, I loved all after it was, it was absolutely brilliant. 97, back in Super League. Did you feel the game moved on much since you were there last time? Uh, in 97, well, but like I said, in, in Super League, when we went there and we went to, to World Cup Challenge, it's, all you've done is just gone quick. It had gone quick. And what you've got to do is, when, when you're training this season, you've got to be as fit, if not fitter, than the next season. You know, if you if your players probably aren't, aren't as good as, as some of the players, you've got to play collectively as a team. There's different ways of play, playing the game, but I, I thought the game, in, in that era of the Super League, obviously, like I was at Salford then, and Saints were dominating quite a lot of things. But I thought that era was fantastic. We still had characters in the game, loads of characters. You know, a lot of English players. There's a lot of Aussies coming in, New Zealand playing in, and I think they are good for the game. But I think we had a lot more younger lads coming through then. And I think that was because of the under-21s, the 19s, the under-21s, and a team we had, we had, which was called the 18. Which I think, the, the loss of them three, well, we only have one of them now. I think the loss of them is drastic for the league. For us, anyway. Because I think the... When, 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 you have, when you have a club, and you have, you have, you have a, a 19s, a 21s and an 18, I think it's bringing 150 players together and it makes the club, it, it, massive stability in the club. And I think now, that, that's what's just moving away from it. I think if I was a young lad now playing for a, a big team like Saints or like Wigan or like Salford, and suddenly I have to break off and go and play at Rochdale or I have to go and play at Whitehaven, I don't think you feel plenty of the past. You know, and I think that, that's, what, that's what we're losing in the game at the moment. I think we need that more, all the players... They're fringe players that can see what they're going to get, see where, they, where they're going to go, and, and be part, be a little bit part of it. When you're going up to Whitehaven and working to and having to play for sister clubs, I don't think that's what it is. I agree with that one. I'm, I'm all, that one. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I can remember, like, in your day, you know, you play for the A team on a Saturday and you'd be picked. Yeah, if you played well enough, it was incentive to play in that team. Yeah. You know, and that's what made better players here. But in 1998, it was a Challenge Cup semi-final against Sheffield at Headingley, which a lot of Salford fans remember that one. Did you think we were on our way to Wembley? Really, really did, honestly. I mean, I think I think something like 10 minutes ago, I think there's something like 8 points in front. 
And I really, really thought we were going to Wembley. I really, really, more, more than I've ever, ever done in my life. Like I said, I've, I've been there, three, one time I was injured and couldn't play in 91. I went there in 87, I went there in 89. And, and, and even, that was the closest. That was the first time that I thought that I was definitely going. Right with 10 minutes for goal. Both them other two games, I went with seconds. It, it was, it, I didn't know when I was going to go on. But against Sheffield, I was thinking, I'm definitely going, we're going. And what happened in that last 10 minutes was unbelievable. I mean, I think that's probably one of the saddest things in my career. That because I, I think we really deserved what we'd done. We'd gone to uh, Wallington and Wallington. We'd gone to, I remember, I can be the more, even though so, yeah. Wallington and Wallington, Cass and Cass, we turned all the top two league teams over. And then we got, we got to Sheffield, we were a bit complacent. Did we get the rub of the ball on that day? couldn't put it all and pinpoint it but I know that it was lacking one thing in my career and that was a win at the medal yeah. possibly one thing in I, think, I think even towards the end of the game when we were sort of getting beat and I know Steve Blakely put that kick through and all the Sheffield players seemed to stop and the referee said play on and I can remember him picking the ball up and, and running and he's about to score and everybody gets tackled and we realised then that you know that the dream of becoming Wembley was over and I know mm. Andy Gregory said that it was the lowest part he'd ever felt in his career um, you know, and the, the game he said it was, you know, it sort of ended his career, really. Um, a major factor for him, he said he was more disappointed the fact that John Wilkins couldn't lead his Because I think that's what he wanted all his life, you know what I mean? He, I mean, he spent fortunes, he, he, he brought players in from as many uh, top clubs he could, and I think that's what he wanted to achieve to walk out of one And I think it, it's, uh, it's so sad that he didn't, you know, and, uh, I don't think you put it down to the team. I think, well, in one respect you can, but it just these things happen and you just, it's unbelievable. I don't know how you know. Like I said, it was a, as a collective team, it was unbelievable. We were playing super well, yeah. playing fantastic. And it, it broke a massive shell when that happened. A lot of things happened, like you say, and, and the end of the where German, I don't think he's out was in it as much because, you know, once you've, you've tasted it and you've not gone there, it's not good. You know what I mean? So, I think that's what happened to us. Um, best memories playing for Salford? Well, loads of memories playing for Salford. Uh, like I said, we're winning premierships and that like, but we, we, like I said, the Wigan game, you know, you, you can't, money couldn't buy that game. You know, it, it's unbelievable. Like I said, we played against, like your Twiggy Marlins, your Martin Affairs, the, the greatest player probably ever played, in that, you know, and you turn around and turn them over. That memory for me were, were unbelievable, but, I mean, I had, I had some great games this often. I, I really enjoyed it. I had some great tussles with those players. You know, I, I played on the night there when, when there's been 4,000 on. I played when there's been 10,000 on. And, it, and it's all been same to me. I've enjoyed it. But when I went to Austin and first, the standard first, you saw Austin group fall forward. It was absolutely amazing. But like I said, there was 4,000 on and 10,000. And they all made me feel welcome. And that's, I think every game I played for soccer was a special one. I just think it's brilliant that, obviously, people still regard you as our best enforcer and sort of you're the yardstick what people measure the current you know forwards at you know that's I think that's a massive you know achieving what you achieved it's all you know I think it's really really amazing but it, it is good it, I don't think I don't think the game's got any enforcer now because there's too many cameras there's too you, you can't you can't a game now you cannot afford to give like like death penalty where like I would probably give four or five death penalty where because suddenly you end up, you end up piggying, piggybacking the team all over the field mm. and you can't do it and it's only near the latter end of my career when I was at Salford that's more and that's why I started I'll probably play my best rugby ever 
then I realised that giving penalties away wasn't the all end all because I was I could I could throw a ball of balls. I was still quick. I could I could, I could knock a you know what I mean. I still played the game hard. You know I could second knock. So it, it was then the last three four years here that I enjoyed it probably more than I ever enjoyed it. Mm. You know and that, that's that's like I said, not with me. When you had a trademark look with the the the, the air tape back and the, the church league club fund, to, yeah, yeah. you know, and that, I think that was kind of endearing to the fans as well. You were again, like you say, you don't have the character that you that you have now. But I think you, you think maybe something like Gaz Hock was kind of like your kind of mould of a player. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think yourself. Well, you I was going to say, I mean, because you were saying you could throw the ball about. Well, that's 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 why I enjoy more than anything. Right, bouncing ball into two or three players. If you can turn or go through, go through the tackle and pop the ball, you put some, you put something on the field. You know, and, and it, not only does it make him look good, make you give it ball. Yeah. You know, it, it does. I mean, people who watch the game all the time, they say you do that. Whoa, you know, that's exactly what we need. People all talk it. Pop ball. Even don't get me wrong. Even if he gets caught, everybody's got to turn around and catch. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but so of your career, who do you think's been the toughest? Opponent you played with and against. Something's born to against. I, I was simply, I'll probably say one of the hardest bones I've ever played against, Ali. I mean, uh, I've got a couple of times that, well, numerous, I must have played against Ali 10, 15, 20 times, like on, on Newton's kid, whether, whether in cup finals, whether on derby games or whatever. But I remember it's, uh, the reason I said this, I remember it saying one time, like I said, derby games, they're climbing off the rafters. Uh, Phil Vivas had kicked the ball up, and uh, Lockers had kicked the ball up, seen some top corner, and Ampole chased it. So now they put the ball up on his on his own line, and the bloke who went sat in half was over the end then. Me and uh, that called Bernard Wyatt, I chased all the way up. Bernard was first man. When I reached up ball, and I said to Bernard, "Go round his legs," and Bernard went right round his legs. And as he was dropping, I come in, and I absolutely caught him an absolute beauty. And all my arm was tingling. Looked down, and thought, "Oh, blood coming from his mouth." And Bernard Wyatt said to me, he "Said Cat, he said you've done him. You've done him." He said, "Don't believe, not see him again." Now that was the second tackle, and on the fifth tackle. They hadn't gone 10 yards, but every only went out in half back again and went 90 yards and scored on the sticks. Now, when a bloke, when you just hit and you think you've done him some damage, with 90 yards and scored on the sticks, it's like, I don't, I don't know if you can kiss a leg, but it definitely wasn't me. But that's that's what I'm saying. That is a great player. You know what I mean? Not a bloke who, who you hit and comes and hits you back rather than you hit him. What he done was unbelievable. That, that was worse than giving me a belt. Do you know what I mean? So I would say... He was probably one of the hardest players, the best players. Balance was phenomenal. Best players to play against and hardest. Who well, did you think the best player that you've, you've played with, that you've looked at on a team and you're going in for a tackle and think, you know, this is my, this is my man here that's with me? Well, it's called the gentle giant, but it, 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 there was two. There's a lad called Chris Hartwright who played the same standoff. Well, I'm not joking me now for the standoff. Played standoff like that. Probably one of the hardest men I've ever met in my life. Unbelievable. Pound for pound. Probably the best player, strongest player, and if you round him up, the hardest player I've ever known, Norman Ingham. I played Norman Ingham in 1984-85, put Gary Prohm in hospital in Premiership final because Gary Prohm said something to him. Next thing, he hit him on the line and snapped him in half. And I've seen him on numerous occasions that pick ball in his own half, and if he wants to score, I don't know. But people said to me, so what do you do if you call some bed with your wife? Said I'll make him a cup of coffee, put another blanket on. That's the kind of things you do. But Mel's legs were wild on top of my leg. Uh, Mel's top of legs was wild on top of my waist. And also, if you see how quick he was, he was doing 100, he was doing nearly 100 metres in 12 seconds. This is an 18 stone centre. 
which is, and when I said to Ball was Malcolm make it disappear. He put it on his back, bringing two legs, come now and go to us. So looking at your career, do you think that you'd be able to play now in the current top of the league? Do you think that the Paul Farber at the top of his career could mingle it with the best now in Super League? Personally, on a, on a personal view from a fan, I still think Paul could. I think he was that kind of player that could I don't know what to say here, but I think like you were saying before, because the scrutiny is so much, you were you were synonymous of giving penalties away. Yeah. Again, I don't upset you because you know, you still look fairly angry, Paul. So don't take this the, the, the way it is. You know, with the scrutiny now, I think you would be penalised out of the game. You would be, again, a, a Gary Park kind of... I would, but like I said to you, the last three years when I was at Salford, two or three years when I was at I realised that, and it clocked up. Paul, don't give pounds away. You don't need give away. Right. You don't need just rely on your ability. You just get through the game with ability, not, not being silly. Don't get me wrong, I still play the game hard. But I just cut all the, all the crap out of my game. And I think, and that was because silly, because it went to cameras. Yeah. I mean, he nearly stopped me going, I was so silly once... Uh, they stopped me going to Australia. Me and uh, Kieran Pickham and Scott sent off. We were playing at Willows. He just let go of the ball and I hit him. And I called him in a beauty. And as I was, uh, when he got back up, I was walking away and he comes from behind me and hit me from behind. Belt him and both got sent off. And uh, I ended up, uh, I got one match and a £500 fine. If they had done what they should have done, which would give me three matches, I wanted them to go to Australia. So, on one respect, I did play in Super League in, for two or three years. And now it couldn't play now, I'll say, without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, we don't have too many ball hanging forwards now. They're not, they're almost any type players, you know. Don't get me wrong, the game's changed so much because we don't have off the cuff players now. If you play off the cuff, they want you to play regimented. You know, you're defending here, you're doing this here, you're passing ball there, you're doing it here. And that's why you get away with playing a second row forwards from half a sense because it's more regimented than anything. Like we played a lot of off the cuff football because we had more horses. So I think myself personally, in this era now, I'd love to go back 30 years and be 20 years of age and be, be playing now. I'd love to. I would give, but I wouldn't give it, but because of my life being great anyway, I've enjoyed it. I've got great kids and a great family and a great wife, so I wouldn't swap any of that, but my rugby career. Which will start in the other twenty. Well, I'll tell you, bring your bring your boots here on uh, on Friday afternoon. We've got a trip to Castleford. I think we could uh, yeah. we could still use it. We could use a bit of buffering on the coach that day. Could be going up. <laughs> no, I think they'd be okay, mate. I think I think they just had a uh, we had a bad lull against Saints, you know, and, and I was expecting so much. It was unbelievable. I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't come to the game. I watched the game in, in my own country. I went on the pub. We had, we had me and the wife had a meal. And a bottle of wine and watch the game because I think watching the game sometimes is a lot better on Sky because you pick up every little bit to get it. And I thought Saints and Salford game, I was expecting so much, as, as were the comment Phil Clark and, and, and the lads on the commentary team. They all said exactly the same as I said. I think Salford have done so well. I think Salford looked good enough to play against Warrington the week before. I mean, you can see what, what happened to Leeds the other week. Salford must have Warrington and look like they should win the game. They don't win it, but you think everybody's tipping Warrington to be one of the best teams. So you look around and you think to yourself, well, no, no, and, and Saints South is here to take a cat against uh, the French team. They, they, they don't need not too, too, many, too many points in it. So I thought, come here, Salford's going to give Melbourne a game. And I think, obviously, Mr. Cassie, he, he was 
at the end, even Sam Pinion and me wouldn't even interrupt it. So we had the anonymous tweet where he said didn't we, about him having enough. Well, I've had enough that sport, and I think a lot of Salford fans felt that at the time as well. Yeah, well, he must be. When you're in his shoes, see, I think, I wish we had eight of him. We, we need eight of him now to, to, to make the game bigger and to take it forward and, and to start a, let's start a circus, a bandwagon going forward and, and make the game look great. Let's go back to making the game look great. I think it's a bit of a stalemate at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the product is still it's fantastic. Still, it's still it's, I mean, I, I've never been into football. I've never really. Well, it's the best sport in the world, isn't it? You know, and uh, you know, likes you, you know, Paul Pogba, Ian Bleeds, these are the guys I was at school watching, going, I want to be like Paul Pogba, but with less penalties. Hard and fair, and hard and fair, and last three years. Use your ability, Andy. Use your ability, Andy. What ability? Right. Um, so, you know, and. Like you say, the characters seem to have gone from the game. It's almost as though you can intertwine any kind of player for any other player. There's no real... Like saying it's all regimented. Yeah. It's mostly regimented. Like when we, when we went through ball work, shall we go through ball work with Andy Gregor, we go through ball work with Alec Murphy, we go through Gary Jack. There was always, we, always pop, we all played sick for about 20 minutes, half an hour before. But warm up. Each warm up with a round thing, especially on a Sunday morning, on a Friday night we go through ball work. We'd have half an hour of sick. And that gives you so much camaraderie, it's unbelievable. Because you know who's coming off each other's shoulder, but you know it. Who can pass well or not. You don't do any of that now. Not a lot of that now. You know what I mean? It's all regimented, it's all videos, which the game needs because obviously we're trying to catch Australia and that's a lot of things that they do. But like in my year, we played a lot of stuff that was off the cuff. Someone said, like, listen, double drop off, bring it back to the right hand side and pick leg you up one upside. And when we do it, Murphy go, well, what was all that else? That's right, he's cool, but well, we have this thing, right, brilliant. You know what, we just need someone to go. Yeah, every week now. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. and exactly. And, and you don't mind somebody putting on up to But if we went wrong, say, hey, we'll charge someone out like one. It, 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 it's more like, there's more pressure to kind of get up the field, get up the field, territory, territory, possession, territory, possession. Like you say, the creativity, I suppose, has gone. Somebody like Randy Chase is a magician in that ball. Unbelievable. But then, but then, you know, you get, he, he has moments of absolute brilliance and then he has what we're going to do as brain parts where you need what you've done. But, you know, like you say, now... He, but that, that is it because everything's about, like you said, like it, it, everything's about, sir, what, what percentage of the ball do we have? What, what, what percentage of tackles do we do? How much do we do this? So everything's up. It's all in, set up on computers and uh, you have such a... When you're defending now as well, like such a play defence on that side and if the mistake on that side is pinpointing his aim straight away when I first started playing games we'd be all lined out obviously you scrum out and you stand off and you, and you put forwards in second rows we've done that but then, then we had left, right we had what section he was in when he was in this one if you went out that section he'd come in and cause for you so if he wasn't there he would blame what you'd done and like you said that's what they're doing and everything's about possession now and everything's about completion you know, you complete your sets. If you complete your sets 98, 97%, you, you can't get beat. Another thing is, which is a standard thing, if they don't score, you can't lose. You know, never two teams. They're not going to be defense. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Live radio contact. So, that was Paul Farber talking about his time playing for Soul Fred Devil. Some great memories and some great chat from him. Next up, we've got Paul Whiteside taking us through all the amateur reports and amateur sides and what they've been doing this week in the area. 
Right, well, I'm going to report for you. We'll start off with Student Rugby League this week. Last Wednesday, the 8th of November, in the University's Northern 1A Division, Manchester Met 32, Liverpool, John Moores 24. In the Northern 2A, Manchester had a good result. They beat Lancaster away by 78 points to nil, so a good just uh, teams. In College Rugby League, in the Premier League, last week it was Midlands Hurricanes 48, Hotwood Hall 24. But North West League 1, Salford Red Devils, without a win this season, they beat Wigan Warriors Education Academy by 28 points to 20. You'll see in the videos on the Devil in the Detail page of the, the lads celebrating in the changing room there and well done to them all I met a few of the lads last week and uh, they're doing really well this season and hopefully they'll get another good result in the coming weeks but great to get the first win and congratulations well the fixtures for this week in the university it's Wednesday the 15th of November in the Northern 2-8 Salford play Chester and Manchester play UCLan. there's just one fixture in the colleges this week it is in the Premier League and it's Hotwood Hall versus Wakefield Lang with the Reds are on the lookout for players. Anybody who's left school and are aged between 16 and 18 are invited down to Lang with the Reds. Their pre-season starts this Thursday, the 16th of November, at Buell Hill High School Sports Hall, and it starts at 7 p.m. So they're looking to recruit lads there for their under-18 side for the 2018 season. So get yourselves down down to that. Moving on to the Barlow County Championships, the 2017 Barlow County Tri-Series we were talking about last week and the week before at open age and under 19s level, it could go any of the three ways in the final fixtures this coming weekend between Cumbria and Yorkshire and, uh, and Lancashire as well Cumbria and Yorkshire are playing on Sunday the 19th of November and Lancashire who are current champions at both levels accounted for Cumbria 22-4 at open age level and 44-16 at the under-19s in yesterday's doubleheader at Thato Heath now Yorkshire now must simply do is avoid defeat against Cumbria this coming weekend at both levels uh, to, to win that. Cumbria will head the open age standings if they can prevail by 31 points or more and the under 19s table if they can manage to beat Yorkshire by 50 points. So uh, Yorkshire looking like they're going to be the favourites there. Lancashire meanwhile will be hoping that Cumbria prevail by 30 points or fewer by, at open age and by less than half a century at under 19 so it's quite complicated but quite simply Lancashire have had their two games 1-1 one, one, last one so they've got a uh, count on Yorkshire coming up short this weekend so we'll give you the final scores and the uh, the winners of that next weekend well finally this week the women's rugby league world cup gets underway this week on thursday the 16th of november pool a is australia england and the cook islands and pool b is new zealand papua new guinea and canada thursday's fixtures at the southern cross group stadium in Sydney, it is New Zealand against Canada, England against Papua New Guinea and Australia against the Cook Islands. The final will take place on Saturday the 2nd of December at the Brisbane Stadium. So good luck there to uh, to England's women in that World Cup over there. And don't forget England are in action in the Rugby League World Cup. That's this Sunday at 5am against Papua New Guinea in the quarterfinals. And I'm sure Rob will be talking about that on the pod as well. So that's me, done for this week. I'll catch you next week. Like Paul said, it's World Cup weekend. England take on Papua New Guinea on Saturday. Good luck to the boys and hopefully they'll come away with a victory there. The next person up on the uh, pop-up Devil in the Detail podcast, we have uh, Tanya Arno. We spoke to her earlier on in the season about her thoughts about the Salford Red Devil season at the time. Devil in the Detail.
Right, well for Devil in Detail, me and Rob are delighted to be joined by Tanya Allen off the BBC. Uh, what do you think of Salford so far this season, Tanya? Really, really impressed with them. And you know, today when you've had a few players out, make some changes, still a really impressive performance. And uh, Ben Murdoch Silla is, is about three men out there, isn't he? He's absolutely storming to watch. He took some stopping for that try. I think he took three Salford players over the line with him. And uh, like you said, they have quite a lot of young players out today, Salford. They've shown up really well, and uh, no, they must be must be impressing you in the, in the media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, Brian Noble's just said, said to him, yeah, can they finish in the top? He said, yeah, absolutely. Did we think they could at the beginning of the season? Probably not, but week in, week out, they're turning it on. And just talking to all of the players, we, we did a um, pre-season piece with them as well, and, and there just seems to be a real unity about the squad and togetherness, having gone through what they went through at the end of last year. Salford, obviously third in, in a Super League, now looking up. You know, it's, it's a kind of game-changer for us fans. You know, we're, we're, it's a different scenario we're used to. Do you think we've got the ability to kick on now, you know, and, and see where we go. So, I mean, better minds than me are saying yes, and, and but I don't think anybody's getting carried away here. That's the feeling that you get. Um, and just talking to Ian Watson, I, I said we, we had uh, Gareth O'Brien did the show a couple of weeks back in the studio, and he talked about Ian Watson and the influence he had, and that he was a very honest, down-to-earth manager and he's he coach, and he certainly seemed to have a team that's reflecting that. So I don't see any reason why you can't. Big game against Wigan next week, top three, you know, third in the table. You know, it's, it's a big battle and what do you reckon if you got a chance to we're going to get a result yeah absolutely I mean you know, we're going to come back from just being absolutely hammered they've got a few players out obviously a, a couple of um, with England absolutely um, and, and I don't think anybody here now I mean you're talking as though you almost don't believe that they will but I don't think there's you know you certainly talk to the players and I think there's absolutely the belief now there's, it doesn't seem to me that there are teams that frighten Salford anymore when they might have looked and they go can we beat them yeah. I think it's an absolute well, it's uncharted waters for us because we're not used to being that you know, the top of the table are we so you know it's a, it's a decision where we have to think we've got Wigan and, and beat Wigan at Wigan that's a big statement isn't it you know going forward absolutely it is but I mean and certainly the players seem to have that belief and the fans you know I, I guess yeah as you say it probably is a, a learning curve but hey you've got a stable club and everything like that and everything seems to be heading in the right direction and just be hopefully you can get a few more that seems to be the sort of rallying cry from, from Ian Bleeds and, and Marwan big, big thanks to us in the devil in the detail yeah I'm going to put you on the spot now Tanya as well I'm going to ask you who's your team who do you support oh, it's, it's a trade secret now, to be honest with you I'm a well, I wasn't brought. I, I wasn't brought up supporting a rugby league team, so I'm absolutely clean as a whistle. Right, I well, hate everybody. That's my we'll stuff. We'll leave you sitting on the fence. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You can be a red, adopted red from now on. Thanks a lot, Tony. Thanks, thanks for speaking no to us. Well, that's it for this week's pop-up podcast. It's a big thanks to Ray French, Tanya Allen, and Paul Farber for taking part and being great sports. We'll be back next week, me and Rob, with another podcast. Find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail, SRD, Twitter at DITDSRD, and SoundCloud iTunes and radio contacts. We'll see you next week. Day. Live. Radio contact.